In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is Jesus an arrogant religious bigot? Well, consider how Jesus answers the question from a Pharisee in John 9 on whether or not they are blind. After healing a blind man and being rejected, Jesus comments, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. And then from here, he immediately launches in our reading, our gospel reading that we heard today. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. John 10, 1. Whom is he calling a thief and a robber except these Pharisees and anyone else? who rejects him. They're not entering through the door, or more accurately in the Greek, the gate, but through some other way. They're sneaking in and stealing sheep from their home and residence. This is very disconcerting to say the least. Now to the world, it is disconcerting that Jesus is saying that there's not multiple ways or paths into this sheepfold. You can't get to God any way you want. This is certainly not good news for those who are trying to get to God through some other way that they have dreamed up. And man has dreamed up all kinds of ways from building structures to reach up to God, to trusting in all their good works, to get them there, to those who have invented some secret knowledge that will help you and your soul navigate the afterlife. But it is good news for anybody who thought it was impossible to get to God in the first place. God is not inaccessible. Instead, he has made himself accessible. We can actually come into his presence. In fact, Jesus uses the word here, a word that's, <clears throat> when he's describing this sheepfold, doesn't mean sheepfold, literally. The word here is the same Greek word that's used in the Septuagint, that's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's the same word that refers to the temple and tabernacle courtyard. It's not a word that refers to pasturage, 
nor specifically to some animal pen, but an enclosed space and is especially used in reference to that temple space, that temple square. This is Jesus' sheepfold. This is the place where God draws his people into his presence. They're able to come before him and that temple because blood has been shed on their behalf. The blood of bulls and goats that pointed forward to the greater sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his blood shed for him. The blood that gives us true entrance into God's presence. Later on in verse 16 of John 10, we didn't hear this today, but Jesus says he will bring others who are not of this sheepfold. That clearly means he will bring Gentiles into his sheepfold, into his temple courtyard. Jesus clearly says no one can enter into God's presence and be saved except through the gate. And he is the gate. He is the door. Still, because this is upsetting to many people, they cannot let what Jesus said stand. So, some fight directly against it. Others have tried to co-opt Jesus to their cause and their own worldview. In the ancient church, the Gnostics were one such group that tried to make Jesus fit into their religion to serve their religious claims. And many have followed them. Today, we see Muslims, Buddhists, and politicians all claiming Jesus supports them or fits in with their actions and beliefs. We see this religious appropriation. But interestingly, few, if any of these, will support Jesus' statement that he is the gate. How can they do this? And why? Because Jesus is risen. Jesus' resurrection made it impossible for him to be ignored by these people. So everybody has to co-opt him. Otherwise, it's like trying to explain the world and how things work in it without mentioning that big glowing ball in the sky called the sun. You can't explain the world without coming to grips with something so obvious as the sun. Even those who downplay Jesus significantly, those who call him, ah, he's nobody, don't even know if he existed, they struggle to explain how such a nobody could have changed the world. Which is why so many others try to provide an alternate explanation for Jesus while rejecting Jesus' exclusive claim here that he is the gate. For that is what troubles them. And it is against that which they are fighting. Because here is the one and only one who has defeated death, defied the order of the world that we have come to know and, and live with, 
And he says, he is the gate. He's the entrance to eternal life with God in his kingdom. It is these voices that deny Jesus is the gate and door who are thieves and robbers. They're trying to steal away Jesus' sheep. These are the real steep stealers who are trying to trick and deceive the Lord's sheep. But despite their slick tongues and their charismatic rhetoric, these killers... That is the ultimate purpose in lies and why the devil began spouting lies in the first place to bring eternal death. These killers cannot draw away Jesus' sheep. For these speak with a different voice, a different word, and a different spirit. And the sheep know their shepherd's voice. This is, of course, why you are charged with checking my words or the words of any preacher. Am I giving you the shepherd's word or making up my own? Am I delivering you his goods or have I erred and spoken against him? And if I have, well, then it is incumbent upon you to bring the good shepherd's word of correction to me. You have a responsibility to do such. As I also have a responsibility to bring his word of correction to you. And when we do such, in the way he has commanded and taught us, that is bringing such correction in love, then the response will be to hear the good shepherd's voice and correction. We'll take seriously what is spoken by our Lord, and it will drive us back to his word to ascertain the truth. Christ's word will bring repentance. God knows we have plenty to repent of. Such repentance needs to happen over the times we've listened to another voice in our lives rather than Jesus' voice. Just like Adam and Eve listened to another voice in the garden instead of God's voice, so we also listen to other voices in this world over our Lord's. Just consider all the hype we buy into, whether it be a product or new technology or some new technique that promises to provide us with life. We run toward it. Or how we think life is about what we're doing, what's going on, and how we're living, or how we get caught up in the worldly battles that we must face and we must fight in this world and neglect the greater race we are running, the more important gift of eternal life. Or the times we fell for that slick preacher who ended up preaching something out of his own imagination and would not depart from his errors. But since we are Jesus' sheep, not only do we see these times and repent of our errors, 
our good shepherd speaks his word of forgiveness. And we hear and we believe. For he does not want our death. Instead, he is giving out life, true life, so that you can have it abundantly, that you can have it forever. This is why he goes ahead of his sheep, why he goes in front. This is why he's already gone ahead of us into death. He wants to lead us out of the sorrow and the evil that we face in this world and into his heavenly courts to dwell forever with him in his blessedness of the new creation, in his sheepfold where we belong. It is Christ's care, love, and action that resulted in the devotion that you see in the first century Christians who gathered in the temple daily celebrating his word and rejoicing in his supper. As you heard in Acts 2 today. It is that care that you hear in Psalm 23, which tells of the good shepherd's tender care, compassion, and protection for his sheep. It is the same care and love that led him to suffer and die for you and me. In fact, it is because of that continued care that we face the injustices that Peter mentions in our epistle reading today. That we can suffer like Jesus for doing good and right, not because we like suffering, but because we know that in such God stands with us as we suffer for holding to his word. And indeed, that is what God's people face in this world. We face persecution and are reviled if we assert that God created this world and he wants... If we assert that, the world does not like that assertion. Because everybody in this world wants to assert that they are the creator. That they are the one that can do what they want with their own life and body. And it's just not the case. God alone is the creator. And as we confess this, we will suffer just like the early Christians suffered for the same confession. And yet, as they were not alone, so neither are we alone. For our Lord is not idle. While the thieves and robbers are seeking to kill, still, and destroy, Jesus is giving life. He's pouring out his resurrection life for you. He poured his life into your lives in baptism. He's already given you the gift of salvation in those blessed waters. But he doesn't stop there. For he pours out his abundant gifts to you at his table as he gives you his body and blood. 
There he feeds you with his bread and wine and imparts to you eternal salvation and life as he forgives your sins. He gives you his death and his resurrection. He gives you himself. The living God gives you his life. So stand strong in the Lord. Stand confident in him, your good shepherd. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And so hear him and his word and take comfort in his word as he speaks to you, his people. I am the way. I have opened the path of life for you through death. I have secured for you a place in my heavenly courts through my blood shed for you. Your sin of following another voice, including your own inner voice, is forgiven. I have washed your sin away and cleansed you so that you are my sheep. So fear not the foe or the troubles of this world. They will threaten you and challenge you to remain faithful and true to me. But I will not forsake you. I have you in my hand. I hold on to you, and I will keep you forever as my sheep. By my Father's command, I, the door, have opened for you, and I have given you my spirit to sustain you and keep you in my word forever. I am true to my word and promise. I'll keep you safe in my grace no one can snatch you from my hand. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.